All right, let's go ahead and get started this morning. Good to see you all. Thanks for being here. It's good to be back. Psalm 103 and verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Goes on to list what the Lord has done for us in language that's easily understandable, healing our diseases, helping us in our troubles. And then it reminds us in a few verses later that the Lord satisfies us with good. Uh, And this morning, I want to just recount some of the goodness that we experienced being away for a couple of weeks and just kind of revel in the Lord's goodness. And I trust that will help us all to be ready for perhaps a change of pace in the summer. Uh, At the very least, a reminder that in Christ, we are to be a thankful people. Uh, In Romans chapter 1, when the world is identified as having rejected God's truth very intentionally uh, and unwittingly bringing on themselves the consequence of becoming darkened in their thinking, um, part of that whole process of rejecting truth and becoming darkened in one's own mind is an ungrateful spirit. Uh, And so even as believers who clearly have been transformed from the kingdom of darkness into light, uh, thanksgiving is an essential part of our sanctification. It's an essential fruit and evidence of it. And so I want us to think of uh, God's goodness to us. Let me give you a little trivia question. Not quite name that tune, but maybe name that song. Uh, What song is it that begins, When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed? Oh, man. If you didn't have it in the first half second, uh, Heidi beat you. Uh, Count your blessings. (laughs) (laughs) We'll count it even though you didn't raise your hand. All right. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. So I'm going to name, oh, let's see, six blessings of uh, not, not a vacation, not just being away, but things that kind of were brought to mind in light of what we experienced and and what we did. Uh, The short timeline was we left uh, Kansas City, drove through the night and all day the next day to Pennsylvania for that first weekend when we were away from Grace. Uh, Stayed with friends that I grew up with, went to church at the church where I grew up. Then we drove from north of Philly down to Washington, D.C. for a week, uh, touring the history there and then traveled back up to Philly, uh, northeast Philadelphia, and stayed with Carrie's uh, best friend growing up, who that family has been here every summer. They'll be here in a couple of weeks, the Chisholm family, and Stephanie's husband is the pastor of a church there in Philadelphia. So we were there with them over Memorial Day and then drove back Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm just overwhelmed to think of some of these blessings and the faithfulness of God, uh, really to all of us, but in our case, we load it up in our van and start driving and begin enjoying God's goodness, uh, for the most part. It's always those moments of stop whining and keep walking as we hike across Washington, D.C., But I begin with the blessing of relationships, and a lot of that was family and the realization that, you know, while the world has stereotypes of 
parent-child tension and, and such, in, in, in the scheme of God's plan, um, it's supposed to be people you enjoy hanging out with and hiking long miles with and taking road trips with and cramming into hotel rooms with. Um, that kind of stuff can be adventuresome. And so uh, the relationships of family were uh, uniquely highlighted when you spend that much time uh, closely packed together. But then the, the, the blessing, the goodness of God, and the gift of lifelong friendships. When I showed up in Pennsylvania, it's, it's weird. I only lived there from, oh, I don't know, the 70s and the 80s, so about 15 years. And, uh, and yet, uh, we're staying with friends that I guess I first met the friend in kindergarten and, and then ended up rooming with them in college and have you know, kept up over the years. Uh, and then we did the same with Carrie's lifelong friend. They were probably in the nursery together. Uh, and, you know, kind of lived all of life together. Uh, And to think of the kind of relationships that God brings into our lives to shape us into who we are, almost in a way that we can't measure. We can't really say this family or this friend or this friend's parents did this, this, and this. It's It's just the hand of God taking these tools and carving into our lives character and integrity and virtue. And looking back, you know, I I hadn't seen these, some of these people in in years or decades, some of them. And yet right away as I'm seeing them and shaking their hand as I would greeting anybody on a Sunday morning, I'm thinking back, wait a minute, that that guy worked with us in the youth department or, or that guy did such and such. And it's not like I've spent 30 five years since leaving Pennsylvania thinking of how great these people were, but in that moment, it was clear God had used those people. And, and, and I assure you, they're not perfect people. It's not some utopian place. Uh, it has all of its troubles like any other church, and all those people are still plugging away in their sanctification. Um, but be, be aware that, that God is building relationships all around you whether that's the people around you contributing to your life, or perhaps you need to recognize that God is still using you to carve Christ-likeness into someone else's life. And they may not be able to articulate it. Oh, you did such and such. But in that general effect of the grace of God in your life, you're being helped by what we call the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. So lifelong friends. And then there were some new friends. Uh, In Philadelphia, we met a guy named Peter. Uh, He's been in the States for over 20 years as an immigrant from Ukraine, but you could barely understand his English. In the city there, it's a lot easier to kind of stick with your national people and never really uh, have to fully immerse yourself in American culture. Uh, But found out he was a believer Uh, He became a favorite of ours because he also had a litter of puppies that were seven weeks old. And so every day the kids would just walk down. And he had told us on the first day we were visiting in Philly, hey, come anytime. The gate's right there. Make sure it's closed and come in and play with the puppies. And so our kids and the Chisholm kids, off they'd go and go visit the puppies. Uh, And, you know, we had only met him for the first 10 minutes. And in our departure, he's 
you say, God bless you, brother, and keep up the good work for the kingdom, and you just realize that there are new friends to be had. And it was interesting, while we were with one of those uh, friends, they played us this old, or not old, but a folk song that they had come across, and the, the theme of the song was, you can't make old friends. You know, there's those old friends you have, and you, you just can't meet somebody this Sunday and make an old friend. It takes that time to build, but you can start today building those, what will become old friends. And, and even hearing that song, I was just reminded that God has been so good to shape our lives in relationships. And so the blessing, the goodness, and the gift of relationships. The blessing of the church. Ours, we missed you all, um, but we were glad to be away and for you to recognize there are, there are other gifts in the body and they need not be compared to us in our absence because that's not the measure. Um, I don't want to be measured against some of the preachers you hear on TV or online because uh, I hear them and I think, okay, now that's public speaking at its finest. Um, so it's not about comparison or what was different, it's just celebrating God's church and the gifts that he's given. Uh, it's good to be away um, for Sabbath kind of rest, but it also reminds us of the goodness of God in you all at Grace Bible Church. Uh, there was a definite longing. There was a dissatisfaction. <laughs> Not that these other churches weren't doing really good work, but one, it's odd sitting through sermons. I don't do that much. I thought they were really long. <laughs> How ironic. <laughs> what a blessing for you, for me to have to sit through that. <laughs> um, we'll see what we can do today. Um, but it, it really is good because you recognize God has put us in a place. It's like our immediate family here. Other families are good, and it's good to get to know them, but this is the family God's put us in, and that's, that's a good thing. We, we wanted to know what was going on, but didn't want to feel any pressure of what was going on. So there was a fine line there, but it, it just felt good to, to long for, oh, I know, I know what home is like. But it's good to see other churches, similar people with similar goals and what they're trying to do in their own lives, in their church, in their communities, and similar imperfections. Both of our friends are on their church pastoral staffs and sharing similar burdens and similar struggles. And you just realize we're all in this together. God's church all around this city. God's church all around our country. God's church all around the world. Um, either last night or this morning, uh, the Hargraves aren't here. Uh, but Matt sent me an email that has attached to it a report from his visit over in India. I haven't had time to read it yet, but it just stuck in my mind as, of course, there's believers there too uh, that are enjoying the goodness of God in the life of the church. So the blessing of the church. We'd been away from Bethel Baptist Church where I grew up for 35 years. And I had people come up to me and ask how my folks were doing and my brother Mark. I didn't even know some of these people would be alive still. But the life of the body when we were there was such that they knew, okay, there's a special need. We love that guy. And they helped watch him while my folks would come to church. 
And I just realized that that's what the church does. This is what the church is. And I know you've come with your struggles and your burdens today, but be reminded that Philippians 2 tells us that we come together and we esteem others' needs as greater than our own. Not because yours is unimportant, but because you should know you have a Savior who cares for you so that you can cast those cares on Him and go after the burdens of others and seek to bear them. The blessing, the goodness, the gift of the church. I was reminded of the blessing of America, the Christian foundations of our nation. That's a big idea. There's a kind of a smaller idea, the blessing of things like beauty and cleanliness and paved roads. Drove through a lot of construction. Pretty much get on I-70 and go all the way from Kansas City to Philadelphia. Um, And a, a lot of construction, but while trying not to gripe about it, I recognized and remembered that almost every time missionaries come back and visit with us, they, they, they can't help but notice how different the roads are in America compared to their countries. Uh, they're just not used to that kind of smooth travel. Uh, Indiana was absolutely horrible. I don't know what that state does with its money for roads, um, but I'm sure even their roads were better than anything you're going to find in Cambodia or Dagestan back in the day. Uh, and so I was just reminded that in America, uh, there are many things that are, that are done well. There is a prosperity uh, uh, and a beauty, uh, a cleanliness that is probably unique to a lot of places in the world. There's a heritage of justice. Uh, that theme of justice when you're in Washington, D.C. or Philadelphia uh, is, is easy to find in buildings, in statues, monuments, memorials. In our own nation, justice has, has been celebrated, not, not always perfectly. Uh, you can just go back through recent history, go back to uh, you know, the early 1900s when women would not have been maybe esteemed or recognized as highly as citizens as men were. And, and there were movements to, to bring about a, a healthy equality there. Uh, you can press on through the civil rights era and recognize there were some gross injustices that were going on, and yet the overall trajectory of our nation and its founding principles was this idea of justice. Um, So in our nation, but also in our engagement with the world, and again, much of Philadelphia and D.C., our experience was seeing how our military has been used around the world. and, and you could study uh, America's just war theory uh, and, and understand how, while, again, not perfectly, America has sought to use principles that are true and right to govern how we exercise great power uh, all around the world for some kind of good. Um, those, those, those themes are just prevalent in these uh, kind of foundational regions like uh, Washington, D.C. And it was just, again, a reminder of the blessing of being in a country where the full expectation and an outright demand is that we be treated justly. And 
pretty much everyone understands that. If you would talk to citizens from other countries, you would realize why America still seems so utopian because of that very idea that you could be free and be treated rightly. Um, uh, we have incredible uh, cause for thanksgiving and gratitude. Uh, we were able to take in a Memorial Day parade and, and to see you know, one of those few World War II veterans you know, leading the parade is pretty unique. Uh, and it reminds us of the, the price that is paid for this kind of heritage that we have. Uh, to see God's hand in the lives of individual people that are often celebrated for their strengths or capacities. You know, a Washington monument and all that we know of Washington, the good and the bad, kind of shows us there, there's great capacity for leadership. There was character there. Uh, and Abraham Lincoln, Jefferson, individual soldiers, inventors, leaders, builders. You know, you walk through Smithsonian's and you realize this is, this is the image of God on display through man's dominion over the earth. Um, and God would have his hand on, on certain men and certain minds to create and invent. And almost everything you see there has some story. But ultimately, that story is traced back to in the beginning, God created and it was good. And he told us as his prime creation, humanity, to have dominion over the earth and to rule it well as Christ would rule. And it just reminds us that God uses individual people uh, to accomplish his great plan. In thinking of the blessing of America, I, I wanted to see it as a shadow, as a type of the kingdom of God. Not, not in a Christian nationalism form, not, not in combining, oh, America must be what it means to be Christian, um, but in the simple sense that America could serve as an illustration. We call it the greatest nation in the world. We could probably argue the greatest nation slash empire in world history, perhaps. Um, that would be because of its founding, its, its moral, biblical founding. But taking America, with all of its prosperity, with all of its concern for justice, with its moral foundations... Uh, with the way that it's affected world change, uh, prevented great evil, promoted great good, you start seeing, okay, as much as we are patriotic and, and enthralled with and grateful for our nation, at its best, it is but a mere shadow of what the Bible is unfolding in the benevolent, sovereign, all-powerful rule of God, that we're studying even in the book of Acts, that is being implemented first in the hearts of all who believe, and then will eventually one day unfold in, in the full benevolent dominance of all the world. The best of America's virtue and character serve us well in thinking of even a greater kingdom with a more comprehensive rule, and a greater pursuit of justice and righteousness. It reminds us of the kingdom of God and all its perfection. So the blessing of relationships, the blessing of church, blessing of our nation, the blessing of providence, 
providence. Obviously, providence is a, is a key word for our nation. The founding fathers loved that word, you know, for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, they wrote. We mutually pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Um, whether or not providence was masking an uncertainty in their biblical beliefs or whether that was a favorite word that they chose to describe the true and living God, uh, we're not always exactly sure, but the word is good and right for us to think on. Um, the providence of God, yes, in our nation, but then more specifically, we were thinking just uh, uh, on our trip and its timing. We had started thinking Washington, D.C. two years ago, um, you know, kind of unknowingly with the co-op the kids were a part of this year, they were studying a lot of American history, um, a lot more than I ever had. I, I look back on my American history and realize I, I need a refund from some of the schools I went to. I just didn't get much American history. And so when our kids are learning, you know, Evan was all excited to see Ford's Theater because he had studied Lincoln and all these things. And uh, the kids had studied World War II, which I never did, just so you know. I never made it to the 1900s in history class. Um, so they were kind of primed and ready as if God was like, we're going to make this DC trip a little more profitable for them. Uh, so instead of dragging kids through museums and past monuments, they were actually kind of eager to see some of these things. They, they knew something about Arlington Cemetery. They knew there was a, a statue uh, from Iwo Jima, and none of us, including me, realized how big it was. I thought it was just life-size, and it was like Jolly Green Giant life-size. I mean, it was massive. Um, but the providence of God, just to allow the kids to have studied so much of what we're going to be looking at in representations, monuments to these figures and to these uh, groups of people that were significant in American history. Uh, so Ford's Theater was a big hit. Uh, Evan was excited to, to show up there. Um, God's providence just in, you know, traffic and trucks. You, you've driven interstates enough to know, you know, if there's one drifting semi coming across that center line <laughs> towards, you know, your lane, there's, there's multiple times that happens, and it's even worse driving through that construction, you know, and... You just, you just think, surely, one of these times, we're gonna, just going to scrape sides for a couple hundred feet together, and they, you know, the mirrors are a little too close. Uh, another time coming out of Philadelphia, there's a pickup truck right in front of us, and it was, uh, there was stuff sticking in the bed of the truck against the tailgate and going up over the front of the truck about 10 feet, and here it was guttering downspouts and metal studs, and the wind was starting to want to make a sale out of that. And in the, the first glimpse I had of that, I, you know, I'm thinking, I better start slowing down. And then all of a sudden, here it comes. The whole thing lifts up into the air. And fortunately, you know, remember your physics, objects in motion tend to stay in motion. So it all lifted off the truck and was now on its own, traveling to whatever destination. And we're coming behind it. And yet, we kind of drifted one way, and it kind of followed the truck sliding all over the road, going the other way. And I think Carrie was trying to read her Bible with headphones at that point and 
looked up just as, you know, things are flying all around us and wasn't quite as prepared as I was having seen it begin to happen. So her heart stopped racing a couple miles later, I think. Uh, and we were just reminded, you know, we, we could have run over it all. Uh, then Carrie told me the story that my sister was down in Dallas recently and they something came off or was in the road and they ran over it and it damaged their vehicle. They couldn't open the driver's door and both things can happen and yet we'll celebrate the providence of God that we didn't have metal studs and downspouts, you know, splintering our van in every direction. Uh, the providence of God. Um, one other providence we were mindful of uh, a few weeks, well, months back, we were meeting with some friends for, for dinner and happened to mention to them that we were going to D.C. And I had just started exploring some of the challenges of getting into some of the buildings. Um, and I said, apparently the White House is really hard to get into. It fills up months and months in advance. And you got to go through your congressman and you're not really guaranteed of anything other than um, a self-guided tour. They let you in the door and you can see a couple of the key rooms and be done. Well, our friend says, well, my brother works Secret Service and he's over the White House. Um, and so I'll get in touch with him. And so we got in touch with him. Uh, he set up an appointment. And while we're standing in line waiting to go into the East Wing, he calls us on the phone and he says, I'm going to have one of my guys meet you. As soon as you get inside the door, tell him you're waiting on one of the agents. And sure enough, here he came and he kind of took us off and started reaching in, got his keys out, takes us out into the backyard of the president. And there's the president's dog, who apparently is a very bad dog. Um, he's got a couple of them. One of them has to stay in Delaware because he bites even the Secret Service agents. Um, and this one isn't much better. And they've made it clear to the president that, you know, the Secret Service dogs are trained by motion. Anything motion in that whole White House lawn they go after and pretty much aren't kind to. And so asking the president, please keep your dog in this little yard here. So he walked us out in the backyard and you know, right over there is the president's pool and, and he takes us back in and opens doors and we're walking down through the kitchen area underneath the White House and met the head chef of the United States of America. And she was a sweet lady and asking us where we're from and and what we're, how we're enjoying the trip, anything she can do for us. And, uh, and we were just reminded, like, we, we probably would have just forfeited that or would have been out of, you know, the line, can't even get in there. And it, just in a conversation, somebody says, oh, I can do something, and God just kind of worked it out. And, and it was a, a great highlight of our trip. Um, and we're just reminded again that this is the providence of God, it would have been his providence as well if we couldn't get in there. And that happened at the Capitol building. We could get in the visitor center, but though I'd reached out to a congressman and senator, couldn't ever work out a tour of the Capitol building, and we were plenty busy as it was, but that too was the providence of God. We would add to that the blessing of Sabbath. And if you remember that word Sabbath has as its root the idea of rest. Now, Sabbath rest is defined as a ceasing from the regular work, good work. It's not that you finally get a rest and that's good because work is bad. 
No, work is good too. God made us to work, but he gives us yet another goodness in Sabbath, in a season of rest from that routine struggle of work. Struggle because of sin, and our work became cursed. It became a hardship. So we did certainly enjoy Sabbath rest, as I talked about earlier. We were able to, to pretty much kind of block out all things of the regular routine and the kind of weight of the, the work that we do here at home. Uh, wasn't so restful in other ways. Um, that, that Washington Mall is not as small as it looks on little visitor maps, all right? So I'm just warning you if you go there. Um, I think our first day between Arlington and then over to the National Mall, uh, we hit about 12 miles of walking. You know, everyone's looking at their, you know, Fitbits and stuff, and you realize, man, 12 miles, that's a lot of steps for Evan and Jenna, especially keeping up with the, the older ones. Uh, and then added another 10 miles the next day, probably eight the next day. Um, so you, you're exhausted just in the physically walking in all these places. And then on either end of Washington, we're with dear friends, and you know how that goes. You know, you're not in bed at 10 o'clock at night. You know, you're like, it's, you know, midnight, and you're thinking, we should probably get to bed, and someone brings up another topic of conversation, and the night gets longer or shorter, however you think of it. Um, so there was a lot that was not restful as far as just propping your feet up and sitting by the beach, which sounds like a good vacation to plan next after a walking vacation. Um, but there was, there was that Sabbath rest. There was that freedom to kind of do other things than the regular routine. And so, so much that the Bible has to say about Sabbath rest and certainly then pointing us to our rest in Christ, our cessation from work in order to please God, and instead we hide ourselves in Christ who has already pleased God, therein we find true rest. And so anytime we take these kind of breaks, uh, we can be reminded of truly the beauty of our salvation, uh, our rest in Christ. Finally, uh, there's the blessing, uh, the goodness, the gift of what I would call virtue or integrity. You know, walking in Arlington National Cemetery, I had this song in my head. Steve Amerson's a famous tenor, sings this song. I don't think he wrote it, but he certainly popularized it, baby. Uh, Blades of grass and pure white stones. I just had no idea. No idea how sprawling that cemetery is. Um, so many of those stones have the soldier's name on the front. On the back, they'll list the wife's name. Not that she died in the war, of course, but helping us see, you know, these hundreds of thousands of people, certainly in an era like World War II, literally a generation that is just asked to give up a huge percentage of their men and boys uh, to stem this tide of evil around the world. Some of these monuments try to represent with uh, like maybe stars on a wall, and each star out of thousands of them represents a hundred. And it just, it, it almost doesn't compute. Go to the Vietnam Wall and trying to remind our kids that 
You know, our family could not be our family, perhaps, if either of our dads had been sent off to Vietnam. My dad wasn't drafted. Carrie's dad was, but was in kind of a non-combative role. But looking at this wall, you know, we looked up one of my dad's best friends from high school. And there you see his date of casualty. And you just think, that would have been a hard December for his parents. You know, when you get word in mid-December that your son was killed in action. It was interesting, our our family name, Godshaw, is a pretty common German name. So my dad's name, William Henry Godshaw, is actually on the wall with a different last name spelling. It's William Henry Godschalk. So we looked that name up, and to see it on there, and to think, well, man, I could have grown up with a single mom or not existed at all. Uh, But in the providence of God, he had our family planned as he did. But to think of virtue and heroism, um, that kind of sacrifice. Uh, We were at the National Marine Museum uh, down in Quantico, or thereabouts, and and to see names and stars and numbers and casualties, uh, the price that was paid. um, And we use that language. We, We pay the cost of things all the time. We swipe our card or we slap down the money and, we, and we, we get what we want at Walmart and Price Chopper and everywhere else. And to think that these men literally just, just laid down their lives that, that quickly and readily um, so that we could have what we want, what we cherish, what we should value in freedom. Um, it was just everywhere. You, you, just, you just can't go through Philadelphia or Vietnam without seeing some of that. We stopped at Flight 93 uh, Memorial outside of Shanksville, Pennsylvania. I would have loved to spend more time there, but I I just kind of had to walk through quickly and move on. Uh, It's just amazing to see these stories of heroism. And one of the, the, the news clips that was playing in the background at some ceremony may have been Bill Clinton was speaking, and he just, I heard it a couple times in walking through. He just said, without any real time to think, they just did the right thing. Um, just one of the many stories. There, there was a handful of lives on that airplane, and yet, you know, paled in comparison to the hundreds of thousands and the wars that America has fought. Uh, as I thought of heroism, laying down one's life for a cause or even for his fellow man, we're told in Romans, scarcely for a righteous man, some will dare to die. But God commended his love toward us, even while we were sinners, Christ came and died for us. So God wasn't dying for his brothers in the foxhole with him. He was dying for his enemies so he could make them his friends. And anytime we see these stories of heroism, of sacrifice, of virtue, we should be reminded that that happens because man is stamped with the image of God who is a rescuer 
who is a warrior, who is a life giver, who is a sacrificer, who is a God of compassion and mercy and justice. We err if we stand at these monuments and memorials or have a Memorial Day or July 4th or a Veterans Day and separate in our minds the God of all virtue from virtuous things that people have done. They may not have all been believers. Certainly they were not. But to see that kind of heroism and sacrifice should remind us that they did those things because they are made in the image of God who continues to do those things for us. So believers believers can, can bask all the more in themes of patriotism. We, we can be even better citizens than some because we see not only the, the virtue of America and our way of doing things, we see not only the, the character and the integrity and the sacrifice of so many that have helped America be what it is today, we can see beyond that and answer questions, why is it someone would do that? How could somebody go into war with that kind of mindset of sacrifice? How could they do that, what they did for their fellow citizens? And we're not left with shallow answers like, well, they must have been a good person. No, we're left with big worldview answers. God created us in his image. He he made us to, to reflect who he is and what he does. And so the blessing and goodness and and gift of virtue and integrity, heroism, patriotism, these things are not in conflict uh, with our Christian faith and with our counting of blessings. Um, it It was a good reminder just to know that we can wave the flag and it, and it's not, do I wave the Christian flag or the American flag? Well, I can wave them both. I don't need to pick one or the other. I'm a Christian who lives in this nation and sees the hand of God stamped all over it. So the blessing and the goodness and the gift of these relationships, the church of our nation, the blessing of providence, of Sabbath, and of virtue. Just a few of the blessings that we numbered on the way home. We just kept going around the van until we kind of stalled out, just listing any highlight or low light, from crummy mattress, one of the places we slept, to, you know, being up in the Washington Monument and looking out over everything. Just We just kept naming highlights, a good Philly cheesesteak or some good New York-style pizza made the list. Um, all that, just kind of counting blessings. And maybe you haven't sung that song in a long time. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Um, but it's good, and it's, it's refreshing to the soul to realize we have so much to be thankful for. And that doesn't mean that all our problems go away, and there isn't a lengthy list of hardships and struggles. It just means God's grace is sufficient, uh, and as we often sing at Christmas in that song, Holy Child, uh, though this road be scarred with trial and pain, it's paved with lavish grace. So rejoice 
uh, in the blessings that God has given you. I'll pray that any Sabbath rest you can enjoy this summer will be marked by seasons of contemplation, meditation on the goodness of God uh, in your own life. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, daily loading us with benefits, the psalmist tells us. You bear us up in so many ways. Uh, You present to us so many good things. Your word is clear. You have given us all things freely to enjoy with thanksgiving. So if we will do any enjoying today in the relationships that we have, in the food that we eat, in the rest that we can enjoy, may it be done with thanksgiving receiving these good gifts from you, our Heavenly Father, who gives us every good gift, beginning with the gift of Jesus Christ. Uh, Help us to understand that by faith in him alone, we become partakers of a divine inheritance. And whatever prosperity we enjoy in our families, the houses we live in, the cars we drive, the clothes we wear, the food we eat, may it remind us of an infinitely greater inheritance that is ours in Christ Jesus. May we believe that it is reserved in heaven for us and that Christ will come again and take us to that inheritance, take us to our joy, take us to his presence forevermore. And for this we long, and yet we will wait patiently and serve faithfully until he comes. Help us to that end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.